so Kyle, I'm not going to lie. I didn't realize that the word banger was in this first question. Like, I didn't understand that it was supposed to be a good thing. I've never wanted to have sex with a pot pie, but like, I'd have sex with that pot pie. We're all weak to stepping on nails. Let me preface this by saying I wrote a script. Daytona Beach is like two mild inconveniences from being a post-apocalyptic wasteland anyway. So many of my tabs say semen. Are you guys ready for this weird horny adventure that we're all about to go on? You can't handcuff me for skanking. This motherfucker gaslights you. Diet Coke and Sorrow will be chapter four. And against all odds, Kyle, we became those squirrely weirdos. This whole podcast is a very negative mouthfeel. Hello and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and the likelihood that Rogers the Musical was written into Hawkeye as an excuse to allow Jeremy Renner to sing in a Marvel production. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) If I have to buy an officially licensed Hawkeye OST... I'm going to be so mad about it. No. The actual worst outcome of Rogers the Musical is a is a fan production based on three the three lines of a song that get put in the actual show, put on by NYU grads three or four years down the line. That's actually going to happen, and it's going to be terrible, and we're all going to watch it and review it for this channel, but it's going to be terrible. So be prepared for that. We're not. T- we're talking about something completely different today. So, if we haven't dated the timestamp this episode <laughs> exactly, this is the date that the Hawkeye trailer just came out, and the internet. Um, I saw at least ten tweets uh, citing that <laughs> Rogers the Musical is the next Spider-Man: colon, Turn off the dark. It one hundred percent is. So many people are going to try and get it made, and it's going to just crash yep. and burn like like a Zeppelin. It, literally, like the Spider-Man musical <laughs> did. <laughs> This is a rare quiet week here at Debate This. There are no new Marvel movies coming out. Uh, We're getting ready for spooky season that is about to befall us. And we at Debate This headquarters aren't taking any calls from the execs or pitching ideas to AAA video game companies or even chasing zombies out of our moon-based offices. No, this week, the four friends who give each other thoughtful, functional video game peripherals every Christmas are taking it easy. And what better way to take things easy than by recycling fan service from one huge corporation that they've executed moderately well and mapping it onto another huge corporation that we don't always like but can't stop consuming. That's why this week at Debate This, the boys are playing a game of Nintendo What If. Just really laying it all out there, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> just, just really laying it out this week. Kyle, I have really bad news. I am exactly chasing zombies out of my moon base. <laughs> so it wouldn't be a what if episode without a zombie episode, though. So way to, way to stay on theme. Uh, so this week, I am joined by Matt Tatanga Cole, Andrew Wart Henderson, and Todd Stanley the Bugman Thomas. To shoot the shit and speculate some weird Nintendo headspace together. Ooh, ooh, I know this one. I know this one. What is it, Andrew? Uh, War is Mario 2. Everybody knows that one. Uh, Tatanga is the big bad from Super Mario Land, which is a very interesting game. And Stanley Bugman is Donkey Kong 3? Uh, yep. I had to look that one up. Sure is. Yeah, they He's are. the spray guy. They're obscure, yeah, yeah. obscure Nintendo characters that time has forgotten. Ah. Also on this list were Mallow and Gino, but we weren't going to give Todd that satisfaction. <laughs> they're not. They're not Nintendo characters. They're Squeenix characters. Okay, there well, you go. And th- Gino, Gino gets a <laughs> reference in another Nintendo game later. So who's to say? And we all knew Todd was going to bring up uh, Super Mario RPG this episode anyway. Yep. So we'll save that for then. You don't so know guys, shit about shit. Pitch us your idea <laughs> for a banger episode of Nintendo What If. What is the catalyst for change in this universe? And what is the ultimate result of that change that you want to focus on in your episode? Matt, why don't you kick us off? So, Kyle, I'm not going to lie. I didn't realize that the word banger was in this first question. Like, I didn't understand that it was supposed to be a good thing. This is just a thing. So consider with me, guys, what if Isle Delfino from prolific 2002 GameCube game, Super Mario Sunshine. I refuse to believe that game came out in 2002. I know, right? 
I know we've asked this question a lot, but like, what if, what if Isle Delfino was not a sovereign nation? Oh man. Okay. So there's the setup. When Mario Peach and a very patriarchal toad school arrived for vacation on Isle Delfino, they were greeted by a very gooey piranha plant and the cops. Now, after a relatively lax court case, Mario Jumpman Mario was only slapped with a community <laughs> service obligation and what some may say was just an extended vacation. Now, Kyle, this was only made possible because the Isle of Delfino lives by its own laws. It's not part of the Mushroom Kingdom or some larger governmental body that we know about. It has its own constitution, laws, and law enforcement. Can now, I, I, I'd like to actually, I'd like to intercede here because right. I'm pretty sure that Mario was released on diplomatic immunity because he was there. <laughs> I watched was the cutscene like half an hour ago. I know that's not true. <laughs> it was implied diplomatic immunity because he was there as Peach's bodyguard. And Peach was there on a diplomatic mission. I'm almost certain. That is okay. That shut up. When was the <laughs> shut up, Todd? When was the last time that you watched the intro cutscenes to Super Mario Sunshine? Because I guarantee you, it yeah, wasn't Andrew, more recently than me. Tell him, Andrew. I'd really like to say an hour ago, but that, is, <laughs> that would be a lie. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys remember, but they like actually put Mario in jail in that game. Like they convicted him on an eyewitness account and threw his bitch ass in jail. He was not released on diplomatic immunity he had to earn his time but imagine <laughs> friends imagine mario if that... did his time he paid his nickel <laughs> <laughs> imagine if that wasn't the case imagine if you will isle delfino as a u.s territory and oh. mario Oof. didn't make it through customs never got a hold of the flood and was tied up behind a mountain of bureaucracy whilst he cowered in fear in an offshore private prison what would that be? Holy like? shit. Wouldn't that be a banger episode, Kyle? <laughs> what if the Mushroom Kingdom was as imperialistic as we make it out to be in this show? Um, yeah. What that if would Isle be. Delfino was Hawaii and we treated it as such. So are you pitching an episode where we just watch <laughs> Mario? Like, we just watch an episode of Orange is the New Black, but it's Mario in, in like Delfino State Penitentiary? Well, so kind of the fun part of this whole what if question is that it takes Mario out of the equation. Like Mario just doesn't get to play this game anymore. He's in jail. So we're we're going to follow a bunch of other people. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're we're not following Mario through the penal system. We're we're following everyone once Mario is incarcerated. Okay. Yeah, so it's no. like it's like a Sonic Forces kind of situation. <laughs> M- Mario is in an offshore <laughs> private prison. We don't even know if Mario's alive. Like we're going to hear from Mario maybe in a couple of years. Once he earns enough commissary points to make a phone call out. (laughs) (laughs) Clarifying question, Matt. This is important. So you said that Isle Delfino is a U.S. territory. Are you saying that Isle Delfino is an actual U.S. territory compared to the Mushroom Kingdom, which is a separate organization? Or is this like a Mushroom Kingdom territory? No, 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 no. So like I, I, in my head, envision the Mushroom Kingdom as its own like separate country. Like it's its own entity. I'm saying... Not Isle Delfino as a Mushroom Kingdom territory. No, Got no, it. as a United States territory, which I argue is much worse. So the yeah. United States, Mushroom Kingdom, and Isle Delfino all exist on the same globe in mm-hmm. this in this world so, you're creating. Okay. As a foreign prisoner, are you trying to tell us that Mario is going to get taken to Guantanamo Bay? <laughs> I'm not not telling you that. It's actually, I think... I think there's probably a boss at Guantanamo Bay. His name is probably Guantan. They probably call him. They probably call it call it Guantan's Gargantuan Bay. Oh my god! <laughs> well, there's our episode title, Matt. At any point, does Guantan say you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. And and how much he does, does his character now. model look like Jack Nicholson? <laughs> Move on. I'm done answering oh questions. <laughs> okay, Andrew. Um, uh, pitch us your 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 banger episode of Nintendo. What if? Oh, well, I'm much so like sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> much like Matt. Um, I didn't bring a banger. I just brought a thing. <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, okay. So y'all remember 2001's Pikmin? Uh, for the GameCube, great little yeah. game. Also yeah. refused to believe that came out in two thousand one, right? Sure, it before Sunshine, believe it or not. Yep. 
Um, so for listeners who don't know or aren't familiar, GameCube's Pikmin had us playing as the vertically challenged Captain Olimar, who is a shipper working for the space logistics company Hokitate Freight. Freight, excuse me, not Freight. Hokitate Freight. Um, I totally read that as Hokotate, and I don't really know why. <laughs> sure. Uh, so Olimar one day is kicking back in his ship, cruising, cruising throughout space, um, and his ship is hit by a massive meteor that sends him crash landing onto an unfamiliar planet. Olimar survives because this is a Nintendo game, but his ship, his ship is torn to pieces, which are then conveniently scattered across the surface of the planet. Um, shortly after crashing, Olimar discovers the planet's sentient plant life, the Pikmin, these little cute little gremlin-y things that they have um, little buds sticking out of their heads, and then they grow to flowers. And uh, people who have played Smash will also rec- or, uh, recognize the Pikmin as uh, part of Olimar's kit in Smash. Uh, Okay, so there are three types of Pikmin. You've got the red Pikmin, who act as the muscle and are resistant to fire. Um, Those are like kind of your your brawlers. You've got the blue Pikmin, who can swim. Um, So for anything that requires water or like traversing over a bridge or something like that. And then you've got the yellow Pikmin, who are much lighter and therefore can reach high areas. And the whole point of the game is Olimar grows, literally grows a small army of these little creatures by planting them in the ground and multiplying them, and then he uses them to traverse areas and fight off the the scary predators of the planet and basically and just recover the scattered pieces of his broken ship. And the whole game takes place over a series of 30 days, which is when Olimar's life support ends and you have to get the um, all the get pieces off the of planet. the ship yeah. uh, get off the planet. But I ask you, Kyle, what if the Pikmin weren't friendly little flower creatures? What if instead... They were fungi. Oh, okay. Now what, that what might if? that might seem yeah that might seem nuanced at first, uh, but let me just explain. So, unlike plants that photosynthesize in order to survive, fungi need to find external sources of food in order to live and grow. And fungi exist as microorganisms and and you know grow and reproduce and reproduce and turn into things like maybe they flower and turn into mushrooms or maybe they turn into mold um yeast is also fungi which is kind of cool i didn't know that Mm -hmm. i didn't know a lot about fungi until today so here we go (laughs) this has been andrew's science corner (laughs) yep talking tungsten here we go anyway um so fungi feed on fungi uh, need to feed on nutrients in order to survive and then they reproduce most reproduce asexually by releasing spores um, the spores then attach on other surfaces and the fungal organisms continue to feed and grow. It's why like when you have mold on one piece of bread, it's going to grow and reproduce more and more. So in my new version of Pikmin, instead of discovering this friendly race of vegan aliens, <laughs> by plucking that first creature out of the ground, Captain Olimar unwittingly releases a scourge that devours an entire planet and eventually the entire known universe. Now, wait, why does this sound so familiar? Andrew. I don't know, Kyle. Let's, we we should talk about it in the next prompt and not worry mm, about it. Not okay. ask questions. Also, is is not the white Pikmin introduced in Pikmin 3 a fungus? Or uh, am I mistaken? So there's there's two things. The white Pikmin is a poison Pikmin. There is a mushroom Pikmin, but it's actually like a debuff that happens like when one of your Pikmin encounter this like mushroom enemy, they briefly turn into a mushroom and will attack Olimar. But that, oh. there, there is not a, a mushroom Pikmin. They are all plant-based. And there's a rock Pikmin, but who cares? But we don't talk about the rock Pikmin. But rock plant, it's fine. Rock, rock. rock Pikmin is problematic and has been canceled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is like definitely, this is definitely Starro, right? Like we're just, we're just doing a suicide squad and it's Starro and, and his little Starro face suckers, right? It's it's not unlike that, no. It's, it's a little bit of Starro. It's a little bit of Marvel Zombies, too. I mean, it's it's and it's less than a little bit of that. <laughs> little call me, little call me. Let's call it what it is. It's incredibly contrived, and let's move on. <laughs> a tale as old as time, if you will. <laughs> My bigger issue here is not that you've ripped off every horror storyline. It's that you made it through a prompt talking about Pikmin, and you didn't bring up Elf. Which is both. Oh, he's coming. Oh, is can he not? <laughs> Elf, Elf is the Waluigi of this franchise, and I do not want him. Oh, he coming. I've never played a Pikmin game. I don't know who Alf is. Uh, he's Olimar's brother. 
first he's, mate. No, something. he's uh, he's he's unrelated. He's he's from Pikmin Three. He's part of a three person squad what's the that third, worked for the what's same the third company. Third person with the pervy mustache, Captain. Uh, that's something. Charlie. Oh, Charlie. He does yeah. have mm-hmm. a pervy mustache. Yeah, it's not great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, what do you know? Yeah, I learned something about Pikmin today. Alomar looked great, and then he brought he brought Pikmin, Waluigi, and Wario to his team. Excellent. Um, Todd, round us hey, out. Hey, Todd, Todd, do your shitty thing. Oh, yeah. no, it's good. Round us out and tell us your banging what Your banger? I can't wait to tell you about this banger, Kyle. So I've got to set a stage, though. So we're going to go back Naturally. to... Yeah, so, so we're talking about actual old game to start. So 1985, we were introduced to Nintendo's very first damsel in distress. The sole motivation of Super Mario Brothers in 1985 was that you run right until you can't run right anymore... And you're going after Princess Peach. And that's the whole thing. And it wasn't until three years later in 88 that in Super Mario Brothers 2, you actually got to play as Princess Peach. And you got to experience like her magical abilities because she could float, which is not something that a normal person can do. <laughs> is that a magical ability? I thought that was just kind of like her dress. Just aerodynamics. Like, dress just let her float. And a sturdy dress. Then it's a magically empowered dress because those aren't dress physics. Keep going, Correct. Todd. My, my cat's actually, can doing I? Thing. Can I? I need okay. to quickly. I'm um, actually Todd. It's really driving me crazy. Yeah. Nintendo's first damsel in distress was Pauline from Donkey Kong. Mm, that's Boom. fair. I would agree that's, with that. That's fair. I'll go with that. So we go three years later, um, and like I said, you get Princess Peach, and you get to play her, and you actually get to experience her magical ability that is to float. And so we go a decade ahead, further from there, and we actually get Princess Peach playable again, only this time with. Some offensive abilities, but a vast array of healing spells and 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 buffing abilities. And even then, games that followed with Princess Peach, they gave her the power to manipulate the areas around her, gave her some healing powers, um, the ability to issue status ailments to those around her. Kyle, it is incredibly clear that Princess Peach was obviously coded as Nintendo's very first homegrown IP that was a white mage or someone using white magic. I don't... That's no. why do you have to make this about race, Todd? <laughs> it's, it's Final Fantasy coded. Um, um, also, float is time magic, not white magic. I wouldn't say that's time magic. I don't, it's time I don't, magic. It's, it's, look it up, motherfucker. <laughs> well, agree to agree to disagree. Anyway, Kyle, what if in my banger episode, Princess Peach wasn't raised in the school of white healing magic? What if Princess Peach was taught by the Elder Toads the way of the Blue Mage's power to steal and replicate magics of monsters from the Mushroom Kingdom? Ooh. What if Peach's origin story wasn't relegated to being stuck in the background and instead she learned her full potential early on? How would the butterfly flapping its wings of Peach, depending on what Final Fantasy game you're looking at, observing, siphoning from, assimilating, learning, uh equipping the material equipping of. the material <laughs> uh doing the thing necessary to learn the the animal-like abilities of the monsters of the mushroom kingdom how would that impact things going forward my banger what that is, is what episode, we're asking you todd uh, well i'm telling you <laughs> kyle my banger what if episode is peach taking on the limelight following her playable debut in super mario 2 and even then She's 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 dropping that pathway of healing magic abilities for studies that focus on mirroring the beasts of the mushroom kingdom that she serves. Okay. Some some stretches in there, but I'm I'm here some for them. Stretches in there. We just we just argued over diplomatic immunity no more than five minutes ago. Yeah, a very well laid out argument for diplomatic immunity, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not wrong, and I hate that. Um okay. I can get on board this though. Uh uh. A, a warrior mage peach more than a uh, healing and protecting mage peach. Yeah, she doesn't need to do that. That's no. Not, no one needs a, a team healer. It's fine. Someone All right. Do I, that. I'll have some questions later on when we get to them, Todd, but let, let's move forward and see see what we get with the other what-ifs going on. So most of the fun in the Marvel what-if series is the the ripple effect often puts more than just one main character out of place and into a new interesting role. In the Captain Carter episode, for example, we also got Steve Rogers as the first Iron Man, or in the uh, Avengers serial killer episode, we saw Loki finally assume the role of leader of Earth. So what does your what-if change about where other characters end up, and how do they come in contact with your character? Just more fun moving pieces. Tell us how those pieces move and what it looks like where they end up. Matt. 
Well, Kyle, what I don't have for you is fun moving pieces. I have pieces. They are moving. They are not fun. So listen, it's only sad. was a U.S. territory. A lot about the island itself is actually going to change even before our characters get there. I mean, for instance, when you land in Isle Delfino, you land right on the Delfino airstrip. It's beautiful. It's picturesque. But there's no massive consumeristic airport with a large (laughs) customs office. And we're going to need to build one of those immediately. Moving down the line a little bit, we see Bianco Hills with their lakeside villages and their large windmills where Petey Piranha lives. Kyle, everybody knows in U.S. territories, windmills cause cancer. We can't have windmills on a U.S. territory island. We got to get rid of those right away. And most of the economy of Isle Delfino is actually all going to move over to Rico Harbor because, Kyle, like all U.S. territories, we're going to turn this into a major shipping port. We're going to put military bases on it, and we are going to use it as basically a pit stop in the South Pacific Ocean. And with that, there is going to be rampant pollution. Now, on Isle Delfino, there's already a lot of pollution. It's already a huge problem. You got gooper bloopers throwing up all over Rico Harbor already, and that problem's just going to get worse. Not even to mention the fact that while 25% of this island is going to be military base, the other 75% is going to turn into a major tourist attraction. You've got Pina Park, where all of the college kids fly for the summer to do one month of seasonal work and backpack around Europe for the year. You've got Serena Beach with its extravagant hotel that's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger until you can't even see the ocean anymore. And you've got Noki Bay, a peaceful and serene bay where it used to just be Nokis, and now it's nothing but influencers. The Isle of Delfino changes a lot in this what-if situation, Kyle. Not only that, Mario's in jail, Peach has no reason not to run off with Bowser, and poor Luigi is trying desperately to expedite his brother back to Mushroom Kingdom. (laughs) Kyle, everything is bad in this what-if scenario that I didn't know was supposed to be good. (laughs) Matt, do, do do at least some of the Nokis become influencers themselves? Because if so, then then it's a positive of capitalism, right? Look no, it's, at like how- a, it's like a puggle thing where like influencers <laughs> make them like dangerously yeah. extinct or close to extinction. The, the Nokis in their culture become tools for the influencers. They become hashtags. I don't know if they become influencers themselves. Okay. Hey, I'm really mad about the state of Hawaii right now. So, you know, like that's that's fine. <laughs> I can tell. Are we positive... Uh, Delfino Isle is in the South Pacific. Are we positive about that? No, but like what what other where else would you put it? Like where else would it possibly be? Um, The Cayman Islands, the Mediterranean, I guess. I mean, you could probably make the argument that it's in the Caribbean. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a Gulf location. Well, because like so Isle Delfino, it's named or the name is Italian because it's just dolphin in Italian. Mm-hmm. So it's likely off the coast of Italy. Okay. So the Mediterranean, I guess. Yeah. They have a lot of citrus. They produce a lot of citrus there, there. There's a lot of fruit, and there's not a ton of fruit growing in the med. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Hmm. I, I have one legitimate question. Um, so you mentioned there's no reason for Peach not to go with Bowser. What? <laughs> what? Is Mario literally the only thing that's separating Peach from... I mean, I know Mario, like, saves Peach, but, like, you're implying that, like, the only reason Peach doesn't willingly go with Bowser every time is because Mario's there? Is that the... Yeah, that's that's pretty much exactly what I'm implying. Seems to be taking right. a lot of urgency or agency away from... She's Peach. very faithful un- until her husband is in jail, and then she's free to do whatever she wants, I guess. Well, kind of like the whole thing at the end of, um, what was the last one, Odyssey, was like, Peach just kind of wanted to travel the world on her own anyway. Like, yeah. Peach is a strong, independent woman who don't need <laughs> no man. And I, I think that Peach's relationship with Mario is due largely to the law of vicinity. Mm. And without Mario in the vicinity, I just I think that Bowser's next in line. He is he is the leader of a of a different sovereign nation. So he's the it, leader of the bunch, Kyle. You know yeah. him well. No, <laughs> nope. That's a different. <laughs> nah. That's a different guy. Um, Andrew, p- pull us out of this and and tell us about the zombie Pikmin. 
Yeah, well, they're not zombies. Let me be clear. This is not a zombie story. This is this is a fungal parasite, parasitic spores. That takes over 100 body. 100% different. Now, in this version, most of the beats of the original Pikmin remains the same. Olimar begins plucking creatures out of the ground, discovers he can use them to fight these aggressive predators and help him access areas out of reach. Okay, great. But the major difference is that when he throws these little fungal creatures at larger predators, you know, in the, riddle, in the original game, you just kind of toss them and they just kind of go, meow, meow, they just kind of like punch <laughs> things until it dies, right? Well, in this one, the fungal creatures will like literally like attach their spores onto the creature. And Olimar doesn't know this is happening at first. He's just seeing them like, again, punch them, punch the big whatever creatures until they die. And, you know, he accepts this as kind of like, a means to the a means to an end, but he realizes as as they're kind of as they're beating up these creatures, they start to multiply and more and more are coming. And and he's you know he kind of shrugs it off. He's like, well, I need to find the parts of my ship to get the hell out of here. So that's fine. So Olimar doesn't really re- realize the ramifications of his actions until the game's third act. So following his victory over the Gulix, the burrowing Snagret, and Beady Longlegs, those are all bosses in the original yeah, yeah, Pikmin. Of course, of course. Um. Olimar and his Pikmin crew find themselves in the final trial area, which is a hidden garden that serves as the, the final boss ring and, and territory of the alpha predator, Emperor Ballbax. <laughs> uh, Pikmin's a great game, guys. Pikmin, like, is, it's, it's, Pikmin really it's is really a great good. game. Uh, so Olimar starts to prepare his defenses, but then is interrupted by the three previously mentioned bosses all collectively rushing and attacking Ballbax. They all have the iconic little mushroom heads of the fungal Pikmin, and their their large bulbous eyes have been replaced with the Pikmin little beady eyes, the little slits for eyes, you know? Olimar's like, awesome. My my friends have come to help me. <laughs> um, so he's he's like, you know, he's kind of patting himself on the shoulder. And then all of a sudden the spore the spored monsters turn around and focus their sights on him. And then we see a spored version of Balbex emerge from the crowd Ooh. as all of the as all the spored bosses start to advance on Olimar. Spored, not not zombified, right? Spored. But- I said spored. Okay, okay. So Olimar starts to flee, and as the smaller fungal Pikmin start uh, leaping on and detaching themselves on uh, onto his suit, he's furiously picking them off one by one as he makes a mad dash to his spaceship. He dives into the cockpit and flies off the planet to watch in horror as a third of the surface is literally covered in this now very familiar fungal spore. Believing himself to be out of danger, Olimar takes off his helmet and <sighs> breathes in a sigh of relief. And as the credits roll, we see a hyper close-up of Olimar breathing in <laughs> these microscopic fungal particles that were still attached to the outside of his suit. Oh no! Olimar! One question for you, Andrew. Does does the conquest of the planet, is it symbolized by the planet then getting a giant mushroom cap on top of it when we return to it in Pikmin and fung, Fungus Pikmin 2? <laughs> We're just going to have to find out, Kyle. Okay. Would you, would you like Tom, me to go? Tom, my t- okay. Matt, do you want to chime in on, on zombie Pikmin before we move on? No, I mean... I've seen this movie what before, if, so I don't need to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> the zombies episode of What If was my favorite episode too. Like I can't, I can't knock you for just reskidding that thing. I just, I can't believe that there were spores on the astronaut as he left for safety. Didn't but Matt, he said, <laughs> he said they were fungus, not oh, zombies. Oh my, oh, oh, oh yeah. Different. Let's listen. We've all seen fungus movies. <laughs> all right, Todd. Um, tell us about Blue Mage Peach. And be prepared for Andrew to um actually you a few well, times. Well, the joke actually, you know what? I have to I have to errata myself. Um, float is a white magic ability when time magic is not available. So you were right. Wait, mm. hang on, Andrew. Can you just? I just need <laughs> nope, one more one nope. clean cut of that, if you could. Uh, just eat a bag of dicks, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> Hope that comes through in the recording. Um, well, here's the jokes. Jokes on Andrew, I guess. It's not about Andrew, but jokes on Andrew that we've already established what change and the ripple effects really don't have a lot to do with the fact that she is studying the blue magic. It's just the fact that she's no longer the damsel in distress. The blue magic is just, you know, the vehicle that gets her there. Because first and foremost, Peach is immediately removed from the equation as the damsel in distress, which drastically 
changes the trajectory of all the stories around and before her. Mario and Luigi just get to focus on their their up and coming plumbing business. Yeah, they actually become good brothers. Actually, that's not the canon that I've written here today. Buckle oh no! <laughs> so, so obviously the the trope of damsel in distress is dumb, um, and dropping it in the early part of the '90s just benefits everyone except for Mario being the title of his own games. So we no longer get story after story of Mario rescuing Peach, which is great. We get Peach playing the role of this like blue magic empowered strong xena warrior princess type telling her own stories and defending her kingdom from the ever-growing constant list of villains that seem to attack the mushroom kingdom for some reason so obvious question what's going on with all the other characters that surround her so first off mario after he and luigi are initially successful in rescuing princess peach in the 85 super mario world he actually becomes a stay-at-home partner and handyman blue collar (laughs) worker of the mushroom kingdom uh, the Mushroom Kingdom needs strong tradesmen, and Mario gets to do that. We actually don't even get to see Mario come back into a main title or storyline or character um, until he plays a key role as a strategic ally in the Peach and the Infinite Plague of the Dark Rainbow game. Um, that will be oh. that will be the first time that we actually have Mario come out of retirement as a surprise character. I see inquisitive looks. I want to. I want to. Do you, do you have? I want elaboration on on that big title, Rainbow Rainbow yeah. Universe. You no, know, it's Kingdom? Peach, Peach and the Infinite Plague of the Dark Rainbow. That's going to be Peach's big it's... breakout game. Okay. And but Andrew, yes. Nope. I I nothing. I I was just uh, <laughs> never mind. I I too like melancholy and the infinite sadness. <laughs> uh, the way that I got this title was I I was like, man, we need a big like. What's a big titled game? And so I said Peach. And then I went to search for Coheed and Cambria uh, <laughs> album titles and changed things. And I feel like it kind of worked in the end. Good Mario. I'm burning star for. Yep, there it is. <laughs> so so we actually don't see Mario back again until then. And Luigi, um, he actually kind of does the same thing that Peach does. He follows the training that he had in Super Mario two and he becomes a dragoon legionnaire and defends the mushroom kingdom because the dragoons are known for jumping up very high and doing damage as they come down time oh of course yeah your is your what if just what if mario were final fantasy that was the vehicle i didn't want to just say like what if peach isn't the damsel in distress like but like why what happened and this is it and so anyway <laughs> these are all good all right. ideas and, and so Luigi, he becomes a defender of the Mushroom Kingdom. He also gets his own stories uh, until he ultimately does go back to ghost hunting with a vacuum after his strange Mr. L phase. Um, You just can't change that. That is an absolute point in time. Bowser, he uh, ends up regulated back to this like fledgling crime boss that's stuck in the sewers just because he can't. He has no one to kidnap. He can't do anything. He had a big bulletin board in the back that said kidnap Peach. And when he couldn't do it anymore, the whole endeavor the fell apart. The whole plan fell, fell through. Yeah. That said, his eldest daughter, Wendy the Mad, she does take over the criminal enterprise. Um, she runs a tight criminal enterprise from her airship as a real menace to Mushroom Kingdom. And so the stories that we see come from this is that uh, Peach, she's obviously the only person capable of defending the Mushroom Kingdom. And so she has to challenge Wendy. And that is what we get when you give us a good Peach uh, empowered with agency and strong magics that aren't just like, mm, I'm going to heal or drop physical peaches from the sky. I feel like you're taking a big swing at healing magic, Todd, which is a pretty important part of a, of a party. No, comp. D- who, no team really needs healers if they're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Todd. <laughs> I like that Luigi's true. a dragoon for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fun. <laughs> Luigi is a dragoon. Can it's we great. follow the Luigi as a dragoon series instead? <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, until he has the absolute moment where he does have his bout as Mr. L, it's great. It's it's quite the fall, though. <laughs> no, it's basically the storyline from Final Fantasy IV. Luigi is Kane. Is that for me? That's, that's for me. just for Todd you. knew that. that. Todd knew that too. He he definitely set that <laughs> mm. up in his notes. But, I've got uh, a lot of Final Fantasy tabs open. I'm sorry. I don't understand oh, well. what all of them say. Uh, but yeah, they're, open. they're there though. All right. Um, so we have a very polluted, sad Isle Delfino. We have Olimar heading off into the sunset to spread a fungal infestation. And we have 
Final Fan we have Final Fantasy <laughs> Mario. Final Fantasy Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah, that's cool. Um okay. I can get behind all of these. Um so let's go on to our third question. As these what if stories play out, half the fun is when you get a really good one, you get a follow-up on it later on. Uh, Marvel Zombies famously got a part two and then extended into the greater Marvel Universe as a whole through Secret Wars. So, guys, tell us what your universe looks like a year later after the inciting incident and how you would show that in a potential season two of Nintendo What Ifs. Matt. Yeah, Kyle. So the reality with my what if situation here is that nothing's really been happening for a year. I mean, Mario got thrown in jail. Luigi's been trying to get him out. Peach and Papa Toad just kind of left. And the Isle of Delfino has been left to its own devices to continue to be colonized by the United States of America. So what we need is a reason to rejoin the Isle of Delfino and a reason to get excited again about Mario's opportunity to help save the island. Now, Luigi, being the pathetic brother that he is, is never going to be able to help Mario on his own. Except he's a dragoon in Todd's canon. <laughs> yeah, that's if true. If we can cross Not these, these multiverses, then boy, howdy. <laughs> yeah, Todd got the better Luigi variant than I did. But you see, Kyle, Luigi needs to call in some help to help get Mario out of the offshore prison of the Isle of Delfino. And he needs somebody who's passionate about the cause. Someone who not only wants to help get Mario out, but wants to help improve the island for the better. Which means this is a perfect opportunity for us to do a follow-up sequel game a year later, combining with another famous IP, super lawyer, ace attorney, <laughs> Phoenix Wright. In a new game coming next year called Phoenix Wright in Ace Attorney, colon, Hobbyist Lobbyist in the Isle of Acquittal. <laughs> That's a very good Phoenix Wright title. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, Matt, I have one question, and that's, do we open the second game with, a vi with like a cutscene of Mario being waterboarded? Does Mario get waterboarded in this continuity? <laughs> I think that we allude to it. I mean, certainly, <laughs> certainly we can't just put it. What are we, a Call of Duty game? We can't just put torture out there. We allude to it. It'll be like the, it'll, it'll be like a very sad Mario with a long beard writing a novel on toilet paper. I don't know. This is every, this is every question you grim. ask me, I try not to make it darker and I just make it darker and I'm sorry. You, you definitely took the dark the dark universe path in the what if game, Matt. And I, I respect that. Andrew, what does year two of fungal mm -hmm. Pikmin look like? Sure. So um, the plot of the source timeline, the, the sacred timelines Pikmin two yep. is that uh, Olimar's boss and Hokotate freight sends him back to the Pikmin planet to recover more treasures like the bottle cap that Olimar pockets as a souvenir for one of his kids. Okay. So, in my what-if version, Olimar obviously isn't pocketing anything. He's, he's hastily tossing everything that he had kept from the planet out of the ship in fear of, you know, potentially having, some, having something contaminated. Sure, sure. So, in order to decontaminate his ship, he has everything destroyed. He quarantines himself for several days upon his return. Unfortunately, as we know from... <laughs> The, uh, the the pre-screen role in the previous game, uh, or the post-credits role, the cordyceps spores in his body have already begun feasting on his internal organs. Mm, of course. Mm -hmm. So after several days, the parasitic spores take control of Olimar's nervous system and eventually his brain. Olimar is now a Hokutation-Pikmin hybrid, hell-bent on feeding and reproducing through any means necessary. And in an only in only a matter of a few short months, the Pikmin's parasite spreads like wildfire, infecting every citizen of Hokotate. Now we cut to Alf. So we 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 cut to Alf, mild mild mannered Alf. Uh, he's sitting at home with his wife and daughter, <laughs> and uh, they are interrupted one one fateful night by a car just driving through the living room. Alf then runs with his family and. As Alf, narrow, Alf navigates the 
the war-torn streets of Austin, Texas, uh, Alf has Alf is come face to face with realizing that the threat, the looming threat, and uh, Alf is separated from his family and uh, something, something. Well, I'm doing The Last of Us. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> it's The Last of Us. It's a last. It's a Nintendo flavored Last of Us. Got it. Yeah. You guys didn't. You guys clearly weren't getting the reference. Um, so, Al, so Alf is separated from his daughter. I'm sure if I had played Last of Us, Andrew, I would have understood mm-hmm. your reference perfectly. It's it's the first people who who liked the Last of Us would have gotten that joke. Uh, that's the first. That's the first scene in Last of Us. So fast forward 20 years, we see uh, a the surface of Hokotate has been carpet bombed by the Interplanetary <laughs> Alliance. We find a group of survivors led by now ex-Hokotate freighter Alf. Uh, in a chance encounter, Alf meets up with a mysterious girl named Brittany who is somehow immune to the parasite. Together, Alf and Brittany traverse the dangerous Hokotate capital, fighting back infested, infected citizens and raiders along the way. In Pikmin 2, the ball backst of us. No. Wow. Uh, wow. No. <laughs> I was on board for a Pikmin last of us <laughs> until that title, Andrew. I also thought you were setting up a Katamari Damacy type game with Fungal oh, Olimar, okay. but and I, w- I was excited too. for that too. So the joke is, this clearly fell on deaf ears. The joke is, um, the Cordyceps Parasite is literally the the plot to Last of Us. Oh, so okay. the Last of Us uh, is not a zombie. That is the like that's the hand wavy explanation for zombies. Mm. Is it's a Cordyceps mushroom or fungal parasite? Because that's cordyceps is a is a very real mushroom that exists. Mm-hmm. Also, funny enough, um, that is the exact same plot to a book. Then later was later adapted into a movie called "The Girl with Many Gifts," um, oh. both of which are technically not zombie. Right, it's the girl with all features. the gifts, right? Thank you, girl yeah. with all the gifts. Yeah. Yes, um, you knew what I meant. Yeah, uh, neither of which are technically zombie <laughs> adaptations, but mm, zombies. Right, 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 right. Okay. We we all love the we all love the dark episodes of What If here on Debate This, don't we? We're all in, we super into those. Um, Todd, round Todd, who wants to talk about magic like a nerd? Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, I think I really liked both magic and dark things. I loved the Doctor Strange episode. Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> what if Doctor Strange were a dragoon? That'd be sweet. <laughs> Yours is definitely more <laughs> akin to the the Captain Carter episode, though, Todd. I yeah, I, I feel I, that, which was okay. one of the best episodes. So thank 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 you. Okay, okay, Kyle. okay, thank okay. You. Hey, tell Kyle, us, you know what? You tell know what us real, about your season two episode. You know what a real banger is, Kyle? A real banger is back. a real banger is a, a female led video game. That's what a real banger is, Kyle. And so in in the second season of this peach centric mushroom kingdom story. It's going to give us big Horizon Zero Dawn uh, type feel or, or production. But obviously, we've got Peach in this warrior getup, and she is out there fighting and assimilating monster abilities like that of the wild chain chomp or studying and learning from the Legion of Hammer Bros. In this, she is destabilizing all these sub boss groups of Mushroom Kingdom goons all in her journey to ultimately take down the support of and then ultimately board and destroy Wendy Koopa's floating mega fortress. Kyle, what I'm describing to you is something along the lines of an action adventure RPG. And I want to play this game slash watch this show a lot. If you say if you say Mario RPG, too, I've worked very hard to describe something that is not exactly that, but is different. <laughs> I've but could, a lot but of could be called Mario RPG too. <laughs> Me saying action adventure RPG was the first time I've said RPG in this episode strategically. You said Final Fantasy like seven times. I didn't <laughs> say RPG. You weren't burying the lead. I Todd has said shown a, a, a surprising amount of restraint for Todd. <laughs> Thank for you, Todd. Kyle. For That's Todd. a banger thing of you to say. Um, we are going to take a short break, dear listeners, while we while we ponder these vast new realities we are exploring. But before we do, I will I will present our panelists, our debate this boys with our super secret bonus question, uh, which is give us the the farthest flung consequence of this new world, not the tertiary, but the whatever the word for like fourth or fifth removed character of this new world you've created and then explain the super convoluted way you reveal this twist character as an easter egg 
in a in a future collectible game somewhere. Um, just really fan service your fan service for us and come back with a very twisted result of this new world you've created. We will be right back after this break. All right, we are back and we are going to answer our super secret bonus question, which again is, what is the furthest flung consequence of the new world you've created in this Nintendo What If episode? Explain the super convoluted way you reveal the twist as an Easter egg in a in a future game. Matt, start us off. Well, Kyle, everybody's favorite part of Super Mario Sunshine wasn't Mario. It wasn't Shadow Mario. It wasn't Baby Bowser. It was everyone's favorite NPC, the fastest guy to wear a mask in a Mario game, Il Piantissimo, who you had to race against three times, who you definitely remember from this game. And let me tell you the other thing you definitely remember from Super Mario Sunshine, and that is the Sandbirds. So, Kyle, allow me to tell you how the two most memorable parts of Super Mario Sunshine come together in this world where... Isle Delfino has become a U.S. territory, and as it has been colonialized, the locals have just been absolutely rabid. I mean, just like treated terribly, terrible pollution, everything's going poorly, and Il Piantissimo, the hero of our story, <laughs> takes it upon himself to spread to the rest of the world, nay, Kyle, not the world, the galaxy, what has happened on Isle Delfino leading Il Piantissimo to summon the great Sandbird and scoop up as much of Gloopa Blooper, Gooper Bloopers, Goop Bloop, Gloop <laughs> as possible and load it into the Sandbird to fly off and do an eco-terrorism in Mario Galaxy 3. So in Super <laughs> Mario Galaxy 3, you'll be on some planet somewhere and suddenly what's that in the sky? It's the Sandbird with Il Piantissimo on it, dropping Gooper Bloopers Blooper Goop all over the galaxy in Super Mario Galaxy 3 because Isle Delfino is a U.S. territory. Matt, I, I don't understand how bombing a planet with goop, Gooper Bloop protests the American imperial system, but I support Il Piantissimo's efforts as a counter-revolutionary and uh, stand and support his message. I somehow completely blocked out of my mind that Il Piantissimo is just a man. A man wearing the skin of yep. a person from Delfino. A, ma a man in the Mario version of blackface. Here's a, here's a really fun fun fact for you. It's actually the running man from Ocarina of Time. Shut up. Like, it's, it's the same... Face no. as the running man from Ocarina of Time. If you look let's underneath, get, let's the get mask. the debate. This fact checkers in on this one. Go ahead, Google El Piantissimo unmasked right now. It's it's the postman. That's very real. Yeah. Wow. All right, the mm -hmm. fact checkers are in. Okay, I am on board for this very far flung Easter egg to in Super Mario Galaxy Three, a game that will totally definitely be made someday. Um, in reference to our What If Mario Sunshine episode, I'm I'm, I'm into it. Andrew, give us your far-flung consequence of this new world you've created. So <clears throat> we open in a post-apocalyptic environment. Our main care, our protagonist, Louie, high school guidance counselor, Louie, <laughs> is uh, maintaining a relationship with a recently widowed mother of two. And while the, while the two have to blend their families together, they also have to work together to survive the apocalypse of fungal Pikmin. And we realize that this is the implication of Hokotake Freight having been basically the center of disease transmission. Uh, patient zero. For the patient, patient zero, zero for of, the... of the galaxy. Mm -hmm. um, and, what, and we find, as we see in a flashback, that Louis originally worked for Hokotake Freight. Louis is the protagonist from Pikmin 2. And because Alomar was not there, Louis was sent on a solo mission himself and crash landed on a planet that had been recently taken over by Red Pikmin. Fast forward a number of years, Louis, unable to leave, made a life there and watched the impending doom pretty much sweep across the planet. 
Um, so in present day, Louis and his new partner are trying to navigate the post-apocalypse uh, in the new prequel series, Fear the Stalking Red. <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> oh, yeah. Andrew, that was so good. Oh, that was that was um there's a, what was it? What was Matt's a snake was it a snake in my boots? Oh, That's man. snake in my boots. Quality. Yeah. Uh pun punnage. Mm-hmm. Okay. I I have no response to that besides disbelief. I'm looking for a response from Matt. I need a response from Matt. Uh, yep, nope, no response. I have no response for you, Andrew. Zero response. Cool. Uh, Todd, give us your, your furthest flung consequence of this world. Yeah, so we've got a big butterfly flaps its wings. Years later, there's an impact. So many years end up passing with, with Peach as this main character in the Mushroom Kingdom. And this obviously leads to more than what I've described already, drastic structural changes in the Mushroom Kingdom. So we now have people that can dedicate their time to improving the Mushroom Kingdom, not just constantly worrying about their princess being kidnapped. So we are now putting new support and energy into the infrastructure of the Mushroom Kingdom, uh, into better health care. We are... Uh, we are actually taking all the toad staff from the kingdom, the mushroom kingdom itself, and we are offering them the ability to upskill into new training opportunities that were just previously unaddressed. Uh, green energy is a thing mm, now because good. can't do that when you're worried about flying ships, stealing your princess. So years go on and there is just massive, incredible structural growth for all these toads and all the people in the mushroom kingdom, except for one. And that is toad. As in Toad, the mushroom guy Toad, as in Toad, the Toad that you know, Toad. The Toad. The Toad. You see, Toad studied for years uh, to hone his craft of serving defenseless princesses. He completed, he actually completed two terminal degrees in princess protection and high pitch shriek talking. And <laughs> at this point, now, you know, with, with defenseless princesses at an all time low in the mushroom kingdom, he was pretty quickly fired from his job. Oh, without the princess to serve. Yeah. Fired from his post. And further, he refused to go back to college for fear of wasting more of his time studying. So it's not long before Toad goes bankrupt. Toadette leaves him and takes the children as well. (laughs) And the thing is that we as the audience, we have no clue. These things are set in motion after Super Mario 2 when when that was the first like breakout for Peach. And so we never see these things in motion. We never pick up that Toad views Peach as the sole reason for his fall. So at the end of What If, um, at the end of What If We Had an Empowered Peach, we see Peach returning from destabilizing a strategic valued target for Wendy Koopa Fortress. She actually, what she did was she assimilated a Lakitu and she filled the floating ship with spinies and created a hellscape of spiked beetles. uh, And it was pretty rad. (laughs) And so anyway, upon returning home, she finds a bloodied toad hat left at her doorstep. (laughs) With a note written in blood that says, thank you, Peach, but my future was meant to be in your castle. Oh, no, no. Wow. Okay, so we're on a video call and I watched Todd, like his eyes were like darting like he was reading something. Did you have all that written down before this? I had like, I had like bullet points. I was like, toad toad fall from grace, toad wife leaves him, (laughs) toad toad won't better himself, toad... (laughs) Toad, I, I had the idea of like Toad breaks bad. And I was like, well, how do you get there? How do you get to Toad breaks bad? Kay. Obviously, you take everything from him and then you have him sure. refuse to make himself better. So a mushroom capless Toad, a disfigured Toad is running around committing Toad crimes? Toad crimes. Yeah, Toad crimes. Okay. Um, I, what are in, some Toad crimes, Todd? Ooh, Toad crimes. Um, Arson. <laughs> <laughs> Notorious Toad crime. I just really like to think of Toad in Toad's voice, like 
<laughs> yelling at his his ex-wife giving asking the, her giving not the, to like, leave I am the one who knocks speech from Breaking Bad. <laughs> Baby, come on! No, don't leave me! Come back! Uh, I love I'm you! The danger. I'll get better! <laughs> I promise I'll get clean! Did we all get one in? Oh, Good. yeah. That's <laughs> Anyway, yeah, you don't see any of that happen on screen, but at the beginning of, I guess, the third season of What If, you get, like, some backstory eventually. Yeah, like, episode three of this saga opens with, you, you see Toad pushed to the background, and you get, mm-hmm. you, you follow his, his fall, and then three is, is his rise to the top as, as a new criminal underlord. Of course, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, guys, these were all great. What ifs? I have to pick one now to be my hyperfixation for the next week until we record our next episode. I think that's the conceit we all agreed to here. So give me your closing statements as to why I should pick your what if to be my new hyperfixation. Yeah, Kyle. So listen, I don't know that I can convince you of that. I'm just going to be really <laughs> honest with you. But what I can convince people of is I'm sure there are people listening to this podcast right now who are like, no. If Delfino Plaza was a U.S. territory, we certainly wouldn't treat it that way. And in response to that, I would like to read for you a section of U.S. Supreme Court case Downs (laughs) versus Bidwell in 1901 when the U.S. Supreme Court decided whether or not U.S. territories were due to or excuse me, were entitled to the protections of the U.S. Constitution when they actually said a real law that is still followed today U.S. territories are inhabited by, quote, alien races differing from us in customs and modes of thought and may not understand our Anglo-Saxon principles and thus are not subject to protections of the U.S. Constitution. Hey, find something to be angry about today, Kyle. That's my closing statement. Matt, I commend your strategy of drawing more listeners to this podcast by ensuring that the CIA will listen to every episode of Debate This Now. Um, oh, the CIA Andrew. is going to hear me talk about having sex with a pot pie now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real what if. That's yeah. the real nexus of it. <laughs> Andrew, give me your closing statement. Kyle, we've all seen zombie movies. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not pretend I did anything different here today. It's a- <laughs> Good. And Todd. Kyle, you asked for a banger, and I brought you a banger today. Princess Peach as a protagonist. Princess Peach using sweet magic moves that she learns from the various enemies of the Mushroom Kingdom. Also, Toad breaks bad, and that's pretty cool that Toad commits at least one arson. At least one arson. At least one. It's just one good one. Todd, counting up, how many what-if scenarios did you post today? Because I've got at least four. It well, it's butterfly flaps its wings. I can't make it any clearer than I already have. I don't know how you lost from you know from, it's fair, it's listen, incredibly clear. There, there's the step one of this was Peach floating is magic. Mm-hmm. Peach gets healing magic. We can do better. Now Peach is Lucy Lawless, Black Widow. Okay, yeah, Lucy and, Lawless, and we and and at some point, uh, Toad is going to deliver Bowser's severed head to the Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> It, it, okay. I, it's not we're not that far away from the it's beginning. a straight line Andrew yeah I think what it is is what if Zack Snyder directed <laughs> Final Fantasy in the Mushroom Kingdom is that where I'm at is that where we're at I, if I don't that's know where we've gotten to in this podcast I would like to finish this podcast now please yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time to watch that eight hour movie but yeah I mean yeah all right, we we're we're done dunking on Todd now now guys while I decide who who wins today. Do good vibes. Reverse that car and, and do some good vibes for each other. Wow, what a thing we did, huh? <laughs> huh? Um, Andrew, zombie Pikmin, spored Pikmin, I don't know, whatever you want to call them. Cool idea. Cool story. Thanks. Girl with all the gifts was a great pull. Um, and, you know, always down for new zombie media. We'll say yes to zombie media mm-hmm. 100% of the time. I have not played any of the games that you talked about today. I've never played Pikmin. I've never played The Last of Us, but I liked the way you talked about them. Honestly, though, just the idea of like a Nintendo zombie game that isn't the terrible zombies you game that came out for the Wii U um, would be really cool. And I'd, I'd really like that. Todd, 
I'm not gonna lie. You lost me at the sentence, what if Peach was a blue mage instead of a white mage? I don't know what any of that shit means, but um, you talked with a lot of conviction, and for that, we thank you. Like the sounds your mouth makes, Magic Man. <laughs> like the cut of your jib, soldier. Uh, I'll have to echo that, Todd. I like that Luigi's a dragoon. <laughs> um, yeah. That's really fun. And Matt, um, I am both very happy at the idea of Mario being a prisoner and then the cascading events that would ensue because it's a better Sonic Forces, but also <laughs> very sad at the state of U.S. territories. Um, yeah. Yep. So it's definitely a bittersweet feeling. Yep. Um, I'm actually looking it up real quick. I'm not sure if you're aware, Matt, there is a game from 93 called Mario is Missing where Luigi just has to go looking for Mario. I owned it. It was a geography, a geography yeah. learning game. It was, a, it was like a where, yeah. where in the world is Carmen San Diego, mm-hmm. but with Mario. It, yeah. Yep. And and that's so that's I I didn't think about that until just now. What I think you did was you gave us what that is in a darker universe setting, and I love that idea. Like, what if Mario went somewhere and was held in customs slash kidnapped slash <laughs> slash kept in Guantanamo Bay, and <laughs> and you know. I, I don't I'd play that <laughs> I don't, I'd, I'd, I'd play slash watch that. And Andrew, I thought Pikmin, I thought Pikmin was actually scary when it first came out because it starts getting dark and it gets creepy and you feel bad if all the Pikmin don't make it onto the ship. And you took those bits and you made it scarier. And so if if Nintendo were bold enough to make Pikmin the actual scary game that it could be, I think yours mm-hmm. would yours would be that thing. Thanks, man. OK, um, I guess I have to decide which one of these won today, and I, I don't want to. I just love all any and all hypothetical situations created in um, fictional universes. So pick I will, but I won't be happy about it. Andrew, unfortunately, it's not uh, Fungus Pikmin, and that's only because Metroid Dread is coming out soon, and I'm going to hyperfixate on that zombie game first because it's real and I'll be able to play it. But you did a very good thing. And I liked Reef skinning Pikmin as a zombie game. That was a very good mashup of worlds. Matt, you also did a very good thing by you put Mario in jail and made us confront <laughs> made us confront our imperialist uh, nationality. But then you made me sad. It just kept making me sadder and sadder. Yeah. So um, you, you, again, very good job. I love to live in the, that headspace, but I'm sad now. Todd was the only one that made me happy today. By making, I'm imagining Luigi in in Dragoon armor and like flying around on something. I haven't stopped thinking about it. It's it's pretty good. And and Peach like absorbing monster, like hacking up monsters and and getting powers based on the monster she hacks up just makes me really happy. So I didn't want to reward Super Mario RPG 2 today, but I think... That is, in fact, our winner, Todd. Congratulations. You said it, not me, baby. Ah, you made me You made me do it. I don't know what wizardry you performed, but you got me to say Super Mario RPG 2 today, and I, and I hate you Wait until the it. sequel that solely focuses on Mallow. Just wait. I won't. I, 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 that will lose whatever, whatever <laughs> wherever it presents itself. I will ensure that you go down like the Zeppelin abomination you've created. <laughs> that does it for us today on Debate This. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can follow along with the arguments on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at DebateThisCast or on our website at DebateThisCast.com. Want more Debate This content, but you can't wait till two Tuesdays from now? Do you love hearing our voices and our goofs and crave more of that for your ear holes? Well, you are in luck because if you subscribe to our Patreon for just $5, you can unlock the fourth Tuesday. Uh, Doing that will let you get nerdy with us on our Patreon-only Discord, as well as give you access to all of our bonus episodes and our extra uh, premium show, Off The Office Drones. (laughs) Forbegorf and The Office Drones? What's that show called? It's just The Office Drones. Just The (laughs) Office Drones. We got there. Um, We got there. Can I add to, so um, everybody listening, we are going to do a relaunch of our Patreon in two weeks following uh, the release of this episode. So, October 5th, stay tuned. Um, We will post more information on the 5th in the feed about new updates to the Patreon. We're going to add new tiers. 
new content's coming, new things, new ways to listen to all of our weird shit. Um, so keep posted on that. We will let you know. The fifth will also be the start of our Spooktacular Express special, um, a month of Halloween themed content from debate from debate this headquarters. So please come back for that. And we look forward to seeing you until next time. I'm Kyle Harper. I'm Matt Guantan's gargantuan bay. Get mo coins, get mo shines. Cole. Uh, I'm Andrew 30 days later, Henderson. And I'm Todd Mario with final fantasy physics would be really dope. Oh wait. I just really want another super Mario RPG game. Thomas. And we are saying thanks for debating with us. And if you think we're wrong, you can come fight us behind the swing sets, nerds. I didn't expect to talk about Guantanamo Bay as much as I did this afternoon. I, I nope. was, I, you know, I think the odds of doing that was as likely as me winning with a Super Mario RPG pitch. So I think we all surprised ourselves a little bit today. <laughs> everyone, everyone was a little shocked today.